Well, good morning, everybody. You doing okay today? Doing all right? So I just, I realized uh, that the last time I had an opportunity to speak here, I didn't introduce my family to you. And so I want you to meet my bunch. Uh, I, I brought a picture of us at the Husker game a couple weeks ago. Um, Badger fans, now's when you stand up and promptly exit the doors. No? Okay. Um, so we, were, we drove down to Lincoln two weeks ago, and we were playing Fordham uh, University. Now, I know nothing about Fordham. And so I said to my crowd, I've got a little trivia question for you. So this is my wife, Allison, uh, and my three girls, Harper, Reese, and Kinley. So we're all in my little, you know, my little Corolla on the way down to Lincoln. It's time for a trivia question, girls. I said, someone incredibly famous, like really, really, really famous, graduated from Fordham. And my first girl goes, mm, was it Thor? <laughs> no, I don't think the Avengers go to college. So I don't. And my second girl goes, no, 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 was it, was it Taylor Swift? But we, we got on the right planet now, so that's closer, I guess. I said, no, girls, come on, like, really, really, really famous. And my third girl goes, oh, Pastor Jeff. <laughs> I was like, are you out of your gosh darn mind? How big a deal do you think that guy is? You're going to give him a big head, right? So... So the right answer, by the way, is President Trump. He, he went to Fordham. And so I think what we've learned so far this morning is my girls uh, think that Jeff has like the muscles of Thor, the legs of Taylor Swift, and uh, the fame of President Trump. I don't know. So I got to get smarter kids or something. I don't know. Um, but I wanted you to meet my bunch. So there they are. You'll see them running around here today. Uh, so feel free to say hi if, if you bump into them. So... Uh, we want to start this morning with a question. I, I don't think it's just me, but maybe it is. Um, is it just me or is like everybody ridiculously busy today? Is that your world? Man, it feels like you just bump into folks and they're busy and tired and busy and tired and busy and tired. Um, so if you've come in this morning and you're that person who goes, gosh, I just need a break to take a breath, to stop doing laundry for a cotton picking minute, right moms? Yeah, I got an amen in the crowd over here. I can see it's a big head shaking over there. If, if life has you overly busy, this one's for you. The message this morning is for those among us who are a bit beat up and bedraggled, who can't quite get it together maybe. This one this morning is for that bone tired parent or for the, those among us who just sort of barely limped in today. Today's message is for those of you who are so at the end of your rope, you can't even remember where your rope is, right? If you've been there. So if you can, swivel your heads to the double doors here for a second. Most of us come in these double doors every single week, right? So I want you to picture these huge double doors here for a moment. And as you see these doors here, Picture for a moment that Jesus himself opens the doors right now, this moment. He begins to make his way down our fresh-smelling gray carpet here to your chair. And as he comes to your particular chair, he extends his arms, gently cups your face in his hands, pulls you close. Then what? You're now face to face with the living God. What happens next? 
We've been in this series for several months, if you've been around Central, in the Gospel of John. And and all throughout John, different people are actually coming face to face with Jesus. And today is actually our final message in this series called The Life. And in this message today, someone again is about to come face to face with Jesus. And it's a perfect way to tie a bow on this series. Open up your Bibles to John chapter 21. Very last chapter of John, final message of the life. So let's set the stage. The disciples are fishing, again, we see them doing that all throughout the book, right? And if you can picture their boat, they're a, a ways out from shore when they glance back to the beach and they can see somebody standing there, but they're not quite sure who it is. And then in verse 7 of John 21, one of the disciples says to Peter, it's the Lord. And then we read, when Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work jumped into the water, and he headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat, for they were about 100 yards from shore. Now, I don't totally understand uh, what all this tunic business is about. I'm not a, not a Bible expert. I don't know if that was like special work clothes they put on for fishing. I don't know if it was a skinny dipping type situation. I have no idea what's going on here with the tunic. But here's what I do know. The moment Peter saw Jesus on the shore, he swam a football field to get to him. Hold on to that. Football field. He wanted to be with Jesus. Verse 9. When they got to shore, they found fish cooking over a charcoal fire. So a fire was waiting for Peter the others. So the stage is set. This one's for the bone tired, those that barely limped in today. Today's message is called Life Between Two Fires. Now, the campfire that Peter swam to is actually his second fire. Peter's first fire happened earlier in his life. And to understand Peter's first fire, you've got to understand a promise that Peter had made to Jesus back in Matthew 26. I'll read it to you. It says this, Peter declared to Jesus, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. You're familiar with this story, yeah? You've heard this one before? So Peter's promise, I will never deny you Jesus. And then he arrives at his first fire in John 18. So get this picture in your mind. Jesus had just been arrested. Um, There's a bunch of different groups of people that are sort of milling about this courtyard type area. And there happens to be a fire in the midst of this. We read this in John 18. The guards had made a charcoal fire. First fire. A woman asked Peter, you're not one of Jesus' disciples, are you? No, Peter said, I'm not. Later is... Peter was standing by the fire, first fire, warming himself. They asked him again, you're not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, no, I'm not. Then a third time, Peter denied it, and immediately a rooster crowed. So here again, Peter's promise, 
I will never deny you Jesus. Then, Peter, do you know Jesus? Once, denied. Peter, do you know him? Twice, denied. Peter, do you know him? Three times, denied. Cue the rooster. All of that happened around a charcoal fire. What's the point? See, at fire number one, we find Peter doing the thing he said he would never, ever, 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 ever do. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been to that place that you promised yourself, I could never, I would never, ever, 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 and then you do? Let's call fire number one the fire of failure. If you're taking notes, fire number one is the fire of failure. So even though I married a Nebraska gal, and so I'm required by law to be a Husker fan now, um, I didn't go to Lincoln. I went to Augie down the road here, and I'm in my early 20s, having no idea that I'm about to take a good, hard sit-down here at the fire of failure. So while I was at Augie, uh, a, a friend I hadn't heard from in a long time since high school uh, called and said, hey, I just moved to Sioux Falls. I'm looking to reconnect with some people. Do you want to come over to my apartment tonight? Sure. What, what could possibly go wrong, right? So I go over to the, this person's apartment, and we start reminiscing about the good old days of high school, right? And I get offered a Bud Light. And one Bud Light turns into four, and four turned into seven, and seven turns into I don't remember how many. Dusty. Do you want to head to the bedroom? Sure. And the next thing I can remember, I woke up at about 3 a.m., sort of a hungover haze, having done all the things you're now guessing I did. So I put my clothes on, drive back to Augie, and I remember in my car ride back just thinking one phrase, my life is over. See, by this point in my early 20s, I was still just a baby in this walking with Jesus thing, but I was trying to do it, right? And, and, and I had sort of gotten my life together by this point, right? Sure, in the past, I had fallen about as far as a person could fall in, in the area of sexual sin, but not now. Now, and I was doing it, right? I was walking with Jesus. And then all of a sudden, I find myself doing that thing again that I promised myself I would never, ever, ever ever, and then I did. So that's my fire of failure. What's yours? When have you had a good hard sit down here at the fire of failure? I know this isn't comfortable, it's not easy to think about, but we don't want to rush this moment. Look at your notes again and grab a pen if you don't have one already. I want you to take a moment just to go before the Lord in prayer and just jot down what's one of your fires of failure. Now, you might have to write something in code so the person sitting next to you doesn't see it. That's fine. But whatever you do, 
take a moment and just pray now, Jesus, what, what's that thing that's eating me up? What's that, that fire failure in my life, okay? So go ahead and take a moment to pray and then jot something down. Go ahead. Now, I don't know if you're exactly like me or not, but I, I would imagine that at least for some of us, that thing that you just wrote down, it's sort of like a poison inside of you that's killing you from the inside out. The guilt, the shame, the hiding, it's corrosive. Now, we're not going to stay at fire number one. We're moving towards a second fire. But before we go there, you have to feel the tension of this moment for you, for me, and for Peter. So, so see if just for a moment you can zap yourself back into Peter's scene, the moment right before he arrives at fire number two. Go there with me. So, so three times Peter has just denied Christ. Three times he said, three times he did the thing he said he would never, ever, 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 ever do. So his feet are literally standing in failure in a boat when he's fishing three fresh failures on his rap sheet. And it's in that moment that he hears Jesus's voice. Uh-oh. Pressure. Tension. See, if, if you and I are in the boat, three fresh failures, and we hear Jesus' voice, what do we usually do? We don't swim a football field toward Jesus, right? If you and I are Peter, what do we usually do when we hear Jesus' voice? We swim a football field in the opposite direction. Am I right? Jesus is on that beach. I'm living in fresh failure. I'm headed to that beach, right? But not Peter. Why, 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 why? Look back in your scriptures, verse 9. Look what's waiting for Peter after his football field long swim. John 21, 9. When they got to shore... They found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire, some bread. Bring some of the fish you just caught, Jesus said, and now come have some breakfast. I don't think Hollywood could do this scene, but, but let's give it a, our best attempt here, right? So you, you, got, you got the picture in your mind. Peter, literally drenched in failure, swims an Olympic-sized swim here. Uh, his beard is running, you know, with drops of water, beads of water running off his hair. He, he arrives on the sandy shore. Uh, head comes out of the water. What do his eyes see? An angry Jesus, arms crossed, going, I can't believe you failed, Peter. No. A wag your finger, disappointed Jesus. Oh, you blew it, Peter. No. What does his eye see when Peter comes face to face with Jesus? Jesus wants to have breakfast with me. That's what he sees. To share some fish and bread around a fire. Now, 
if you spend any time in the scriptures, you, you, this is not new for you. you. You likely know this already, that from cover to cover in the Bible, wherever you read and you hear about one person inviting another person to a meal, it's almost always a symbol of relationship, right? Come into my home. Sit at the table with me. Come rest a while. It's a symbol of relationship. And so if you slam all of this together, we can begin to see that Peter swam a football field toward Jesus, not away because he knew this truth. At the moment of my deepest failure, Jesus wants relationship with me. If you get nothing else out of today, forget all the rest of it. Grab this. At the moment of my deepest failure, Jesus wants relationship with me. That's fire number two. Call it the fire of grace. The fire of grace. All right. So... Glance back at your paper for a moment at that thing you wrote down that you said you would never, ever, ever, ever do. Okay, look at that thing for a second. So take your back, yourself back to whenever that happened last week, last year, 50 years ago. Whenever that thing is that's still haunting you, think back to that moment. In that very moment, what did Jesus want from you? More church attendance, Right? Recommit to reading the Bible. Sign up to help with 75 more things in the children's wing. Right? Gut it out. Try harder. Triple your effort. No. The moment of your deepest failure, Jesus said, come have eggs, bacon, and some pancakes so we can be together. So swivel your head again if you have to, or let's look back at the double doors. One more time, review, right? We started with the very beginning of the message saying, Jesus, bust through these double doors right now, this moment. He makes his way down the fresh uh, smelling gray carpet that's brand new, no coffee stains yet, and he walks to your chair, extends his arms, cups your face tenderly in his hands. What happens next? Answer, you see this phrase reflecting in his eyes. At the moment of your deepest failure, I just wanted you. Are you with me? Now, John 21, the rest of the story ends as, as Jesus restores Peter. We're not going to read the whole thing this morning, but Jesus, excuse me, Peter uh, denies Christ three times. So three times Jesus comes and restores Peter. Maybe it looked a little something like this. Grace is God's unmerited favor for us, his crazy love. And the truth is, many times we struggle understanding it. If you find yourself struggling to understand God's grace, don't beat yourself up. Even the disciples struggled with understanding grace. 
Jesus, is that you? You're alive. I can't believe you're alive. Okay, I was in the boat and I wasn't catching any fish, okay? But I heard this voice and the voice said, cast your net to the other side. And so I'm thinking, I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing, but I'm not catching any fish, you know? And so I throw that net over there and then a gaggle of fish pop into that net and I'm going, this is a total miracle. Who could have done that? I need to know who told me to throw the net to the other side. And boom, I look up and I mean, there is you. You're looking at me on the seashore going, it is I, the Lord, and you're alive. I can't believe you're alive. This is awesome. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on. Peter, yeah. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. I love you. You're alive. This is so great. Good. And, then feed my sheep. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on, man. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? I love you. Yes. And I'm so sorry about that rooster cluck, and I had no idea what that meant, but I do not. I'm better for it. All right. Okay. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, I'm smiling, but I'm serious. Come on, get out of the boat. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? Jesus, mere words cannot describe the passion that I have for you. I love you. You know everything. I love you. Good. Good. Then feed my sheep. I didn't even know you had livestock. That is so like you, though. There's something new about you all the time. That's what I love about you. Peter, yeah. do you remember uh, the morning the ladies went to the tomb? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all in the upper room trying to figure out what to do next, you know, because we thought you were dead. You know, you were dead, you know, and we're trying to figure all that out, you know. And Mary comes running up, and Mary's like saying, beehive, beehive, beehive. And I'm thinking, I'm allergic to bees. Like, keep them out. You know what I'm saying? But as she kept getting closer, I heard her correctly. She was saying, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. And we're going, who's alive, who's alive? And she said, she was at the tomb, and the tomb was empty. And she said that the, there was an angel there. And the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. And so me and John, we hightailed it down there. And if John says he beat me, he's totally lying, all right? I beat him, FYI, all right, you know? And we get down there, and I'm looking in that tomb, and it is. It is empty. There's nothing in there, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And John is right there. John is so good with words. He should write a book. He is so good with words. And John said, don't you get it, Peter? This is everything Jesus said he was going to do, and you did it, and it's done. Let's go. This is so great. Wait, yeah. the angel said what? Uh, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. You've risen. Let's go. This he is said okay. what? Go tell the disciples and Peter. Go tell the disciples and Peter. You said my name. Why did you say my name? Peter, that's grace. No, no, I don't, I don't deserve that because that night people kept coming up to me asking me if I belonged to you, if I was with you, and I kept denying you left and right, all right? No, no it'll take me my whole life to make up for what I did. It was unforgivable for no, what I did. No, What I did on the cross was meant to take what is unforgivable and make it forgivable. That's my grace. It's not about you. It's always about me. That's grace, Peter. See, nobody swims the football field to get to angry, disappointed Jesus. Peter swam toward the Lord because he knew there was a fire of grace waiting for him. So part two of my story, I'm back at Augie in my early 20s, again, having no idea that I, my life is headed towards a second fire. So I told you I returned to my place I was living at Augie at 3 a.m., and I sort of stumbled through the next couple days worth of classes, not knowing what to do with myself, and finally I decided to pick up the phone. Now back then we had these things called landlines. 
They, were, uh, ha- they had these little cords on them that were so tricky they could trip up even the best soccer mom, kids, okay? So I pick up my landline at Augie and I call my old uh, youth pastor, Todd. I have no idea to this day why I dialed him. I hadn't talked to him in 10 years. But I call Todd and I say to him, Todd, you're never going to believe what I did on Friday night. And I did the thing I promised myself I would never, ever, 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 ever do. Now, I knew what Todd was going to say. I had like practiced his part of this phone call before dialing, right? Dusty, I can't believe you. Your life is over. What an idiot. What a big mistake. So I dial, tell Todd what happened, and then I like brace myself, right? Todd, let me have it. And boy, did he. He goes, Dusty, I've only got one question for you. Do you think that like Jesus died on the cross for every single thing except what happened on Friday night? Yeah, I do, Todd. I do. See, at this point in my life, I had sort of heard about grace. I don't know, I had maybe told someone else about grace, right? Jesus' blood, Jesus' cross can cover anything, but not Friday night, right? This was the beginning of my theology of grace becoming my biography of grace. I had heard about grace. I'd maybe told some friends about grace, but grace wasn't mine yet. And my conversation with Todd set me on the very first tiniest baby step toward my theology of grace becoming my biography of grace. Now, this is where my story takes a little bit of an unfair twist because I didn't know that Todd and Jesus were going to like gang up on me and tag team me. So what they did is they actually came over to me, both of them, and they came and got me when I was at my fire of failure. And Jesus and Todd grabbed me by the hand and little by little, they walked me over to the fire of grace. I've never recovered. Life between two fires. So we're tying a bow this morning on an eight-month study in the Gospel of John. I don't know anybody who could try to summarize the entire Gospel of John. Here's my feeble attempt. The Gospel of John is simply normal people living life at the fire of grace. It's the whole book. And so what I want to do is I want to end this series with this. What's the fire like? See, if I'm in your chair right now, I would have one big question. Dusty, you're inviting me to live our series title, The Life, at the fire of grace. You're saying, sit your tush down here. Quit being so exhausted as I try to gut out the Christian life on my own. But, but Dusty, what's life like there? I'm glad you asked. As we finish our series, let's add three logs 
to the fire. Three snapshots, three logs of what life at the fire of grace is like. Number one. So while the sting of my Friday night failure was still fresh in my heart, Todd opened the scriptures for me to Psalm 18. And he read this verse to me. Uh, Psalm 18, 19, it says, God rescued me because he delighted in me. And Todd went on to explain to me how this verse uh, talks about how God feels about us and that God's emotions or God's feelings toward us aren't dependent on whether we're doing good or bad in our Christian walk. Okay, time out, Todd. Are you saying that when Peter was like at his fire of failure, God delighted in him? And when, when Peter was at the fire of grace, God delighted in him? God's delight was the same in Peter no matter which fire he was at? Yes, Dusty, that's what I'm saying. So when I was at Augie, leading a Bible study, God said to me, I delight in you. And when I was hung over in a bed I shouldn't have been in, God said, I delighted in you. Yes. When your lips were praying earlier today here in church, God said, I delight in you. When those same lips are spewing out gossip, God said, I delight in you. When your eyes are reading God's word, he says to you, I delight in you. Students, when your eyes are on your buddy's test because you're cheating, God says, I delight in you. Earlier, when your hands were raised to Jesus in worship, God says, I delight in you. And when that exact same hand is is moving around a mouse as you look at internet pornography, God says, I delight in you. That's what unconditional grace is. It's unconditional without conditions. 24-7, I delight in you all the time. Never, ever, ever ending grace. Can I get an amen? That's the gospel, and there's nothing like it. Your boss doesn't say, when you do great, good job. When you screw up, I delight in you. There's nothing in the universe like the gospel. So you better know, if you choose to sit down at the fire of grace and live the rest of your life sitting there, you better know you're going to experience God's delight. Log number two. Do we have the chart? Let's skip log number two. It's okay, Max. We're going to skip log number two, pretend it was really great, life-changing, and uh, we'll maybe post it online or something. Uh, we'll go to log number three here. Um, I became a dad when I was 12 years old. And, oh, no, when I was 12 years old, sorry. My 12-year-old my is 12 now. I became... <laughs> Jeff, I know you're on vacation right now. I apologize, okay? <laughs> My oldest daughter is 12 now. I became a dad at 24, okay? Um, so we were living in Fargo at the time. If you ever have an opportunity to live in Fargo, pass, okay? Um, <laughs> God never intended for people to live that far north. Um, but my wife, uh, you know, we, we take the pregnancy test and uh, we're pregnant. And I remember praying literally like a 15 second prayer. I was like, God, I'm out of my league, right? Like I have no idea 
how to do this thing. It was my honest reaction. So like I knew, like I said, I, I went to Augie. I played tennis at Augie. I know tennis. I know some things about music. I've got nothing, right, when it comes to knowing how to be a dad. So I prayed that prayer, and I, and I remember listening to the Lord, and I, I felt like God just said to me, Dusty, when, when your child, when Harper is born, I just want you to ask her questions. What? Lord, you're going to have to give me something else. Like, I get that I'm supposed to show this kid grace, right? Like, I'm supposed to demonstrate the grace the Father's shown to us, to this kid. I have no idea how to do that. But, again, I'm, I'm in the, the first steps here of my theology of grace, becoming my biography of grace. So, Lord, I, I remember someone telling me that you, like, live inside me. And so, Jesus, maybe you could just do this dad thing through me. And he said, yeah, I'll do it, but just ask your kid questions. Okay, I'll try. So I just started. As Harper was old enough uh, to begin to understand, I would ask her things like, so Harper, when you just listened to your mom right now and did what she asked you to do, did I love you? Yeah, Dad, you did. But Harper, what about when, when you just, this is a true story, Harper, when you just dunked your sock in your applesauce and ate it, did I love you then? Yeah, Dad, you did. Harper, when you were just out jumping on the tramp right now, did I love you? Yeah. What about when you picked up a cheese stick and wrote your name on the window of our minivan? Did I love you then? Yeah, Dad, you did. She's getting older now, so the questions change, right? Harp, when you're standing at your locker at Memorial Middle School, do I love you? Yeah. What about if you ran away from home? Would that change how I feel about you? No. Harp, when you get all A's on your report card, do I love you then? Yeah, Dad, you do. What about if you brought home all F's? Would that change how I feel about you? No, Daddy, it wouldn't. Harp, when you come to youth group here on Wednesday nights and you're all excited about Jesus, how do I feel about you, Dad? You love me. What about if you, like, ditched Jesus and wanted nothing to do with him? Would I still love you? Yeah, Dad, you would. Harper, what if you like completely, I mean completely, messed up your entire life? Would I still love you? Yeah, Dad, you would. Harper, what about if you like, I don't know, got pregnant before you were married? Would that change how I feel about you? No, Dad, it wouldn't. But Harp, what about if you, I don't know, got a, an abortion? Would that change how I feel about you? Nope. What if you got divorced 15 times, killed somebody, lied, cheated, stolen? Fill in the blank. No, Dad, wouldn't change how you feel about me. So I prayed when I was, found out we were pregnant for 20 seconds and just said, Jesus, I don't know what to do. And he just said, ask, ask your daughter questions. Okay. I spent the last 12 years trying to do that. But I wonder if this morning, it's like God is walking through those double doors to your seat, to your seat, to your seat. He's extending his arms and he's pulling you close so you're face to face with him. And he says to you, daughter, son, 
I've got a question for you. When you did that thing you promised yourself you would never ever do, how did your daddy feel about you? That's life, the fire of grace. Let's pray. Again, I don't want to rush this moment. So rather than me praying up front here, why don't you take a minute just to talk to the Lord? Maybe picture yourself back at the fire with Peter and the rest of the guys and Jesus, and you're eating breakfast with them. What would you tell Jesus right now? Just take a few moments to just have an honest, raw, if you need to, conversation and just pray silently just between you and Jesus for a few minutes. Go ahead. up today, I'm wondering, there might be a few in here today who are a bit like me, who maybe go, yeah, I might have a head knowledge of this thing called the cross. I might have have a head knowledge of Jesus and his grace. I've, I've got some of that. But Jesus and his grace, you've not made it yours yet. For some of us, we're still very far from God. We've not tasted him yet. We've not begun a relationship with him yet. And so if that's you this morning, you're only one choice away from getting started. You can choose to repent. And that word just means to turn away from all your sin and failure, to turn away from sin and to turn towards God. If that's you this morning, you go, yeah, Dusty, I need like you to make grace mine, to make Jesus, his cross and his blood apply to my Life. If that's you this morning, I want to pray for you, and then we'll pray us all out, okay? So let's pray. If you're in the spot this morning and you would go, I want my life to have grace at the very center, you can just pray silently after me right now and just say, Jesus, I needed you to die on the cross for me. You died the death I should have died. Jesus, I ask for your forgiveness now. Jesus, I turn from my sin and failures and I invite you to come into my life this morning. Well, Jesus, I tried to be faithful to the task. It's impossible for anyone I know who can rightly display the breathtaking nature of your grace, but I... I gave it a go this morning, Lord. So I pray that you would fill in the gaps, Lord, for us the rest of today and this week as we walk about our normal everyday lives. Lord Jesus, would you keep removing the dust from our eyes so that we can see your grace that is actually truly amazing. Let us never leave the fire of grace. Pray all these things in your name. Amen. Before you stand up, a final note. The fire of grace, it's communal. 
you rarely sit at a campfire by yourself. And at Central, we have a way to help get you around the fire of grace with others in your stage of life. They're called life groups. If you're not in one, what are you waiting for? So on the way out today, you can sign up for one. We'll also put a QR code. You can snap that and it'll take you right to our website to sign up for one. Don't miss an opportunity to gather with others around that fire. Lastly, if you're already in a, in a life group on the way out, you can pick up the books. Life groups start next week, so it's a great time to get re-engaged in the one you're already in or to sign up for the first time. Have an awesome Sunday. We love you guys.